The reality is that no matter how old your little one is right now, you should be thinking about how are you developing their brains and their skill sets to be able to engage in a future world. What is most important for children in their development is their ability to come up with an original idea and to trust their own ideas. If you're thinking about the future for your child in terms of their education and their place in the world, this is a very important conversation. Welcome to Sense by Meg Forer, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Forer, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads just like you to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the ParentSense app, and catch Makia every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Welcome back, mums and dads. I am Meg Fora, the host of Sense by Meg Fora, and I am delighted to have you join us here this week. As you know, each week we have guests on with me most times. And sometimes it's a mum who is going through the same things that you're going through, the quagmire of early parenting with lots and lots of questions. And sometimes I invite in an expert to come and join me. And today is just such a day. I have who I would consider an expert in the area of play and development has come to join me. Her name is Hanika Mackey, and I'm really delighted to have you join us, Hanika. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Meg. Appreciate it. So Hanika is a mom to one, and she is also, by background, an actress, if I'm not mistaken, or at least has a background in drama. Yes, for um, my sins. <laughs> and she has used that, along with her passion for early childhood development, to develop the most amazing program. And we're going to explore a little bit about that today. But Hanika, before we jump straight in, would you mind telling us a little bit about who you are, about your family, and just about your journey? What brought you to this moment in time? Wow, so much to share. I'll try and be brief. Yeah, I'm a mum of Jack. That's my most important job. Jack is four years old and he is an absolute firecracker and a, and a force of nature in and of himself. Prior to that, I have been a very hardworking entrepreneur. Prior to that, a lover of the arts. And I, was, I did my degree at the University of Cape Town in theatre and performance. I was mostly raised between my parents and my grandparents a lot of my grandparents, and they were both educators. So somewhere there's a smush or a mashup of some sorts between the arts and my love of it as a child through schooling, doing a lot of theater and arts, and then these educators who raised me and just always loving being around little people. And then when I did my degree in theater, I think very quickly afterwards, I realized that it's a very difficult industry to survive in. There are a lot of other actors wasn't quite sure that I wanted to do the classic kind of acting thing. And somehow to get these different experiences and walks of life or, or what I'd been exposed to came together in as far as I saw that the arts could be useful. Mm -hmm. When I did my degree, my final thesis was actually on Peter Turkais and theater for social change and the way the theater allows us to think about politics and satire and mocking ourselves. And I think in the same way, I kind of at the time, there wasn't something like, for instance, what you have today in, a, in applied theater courses. This was 2005 that I graduated. And at the time, it wasn't explicitly available. But what had become my own journey to applied 
theatre and applied drama and applying that to, okay, what can we do with this that's useful? Not just for the children who really enjoy drama and theatre and performing arts, but for every single child. It's really useful. It's a very useful toolkit. And because I, I had this theatre degree, I came up to Joburg from Cape Town and very quickly I realised, okay, you know, audition after audition, this is not going to work. So I managed to get my first job in Joburg at Crawford Santon as a drama teacher. And it was a lot of smoke and mirrors. I was faking it. I wasn't quite sure what I was doing. And I developed what I felt was my own methodology and, and method in really making it fun and useful for every child to use the arts as a developmental tool. And I did that, studied. From there, I actually traveled, got some international experience in the same field, spent a few years in London, came back to Joburg, chose to be in Joburg, and to start a company that now for the last 11 years have been doing this explicitly, really taking the arts as a tool for child development. I then managed to import myself a Scottish husband back to South Africa. <laughs> and we now have what I like to call this little Scottish burki, <laughs> a little boy <laughs> who is a beautiful mix of the two of us. We all really bring our own unique little bits to this very unique, small, but happy family. Mm. Yeah. Well, we definitely will talk a little bit more about your business. And moms, if you are wondering right at this moment why on a parenting podcast, I've got somebody who has a background in the arts. I will tell you that a couple of weeks ago, I had the most fascinating conversation with Hanukkah around child development and what's needed for the future. And the reality is that no matter how old your little one is right now, you should be thinking about how are you developing their brains and their skill sets to be able to engage in the future world. And that is exactly what Hanukkah has applied her mind to. And so that is why we're talking about this today. If you're thinking about the future for your child in terms of their education and their place in the world, this is a very important conversation. So Hanukkah, what are the soft skills or the skills or the super skills, shall we call them, that children actually do need for the future? And how do you think that they learn this best? Oh, Meg, I love that you called super skills. Well done, you. It, is, it should be seen as the most important. We've given, we've t tried and tested as a society and as a human race to put the sciences and all of that at the front. And the most important thing, all the old traditional skills we used to think was most important. And, you know, we are starting to wake up to understand that the core of everything that makes us human, the languages, the arts, the sciences, engineering, languages, and the vast intricacies of human nature, it all depends on the ability to imagine something new, to create something new. Mm -hmm. We're starting to really evolve to understand this. All education research points to this now. I'm so excited to be a part of the world and the education community in this age and time, that we're starting to really wake up to this. I basically, I just want you, uh, uh, that when I just mentioned that thing about the vast intricacies, I have to give a homage to Ken Robinson. It was actually his statement about the imagination that connects us all. And Ken Robinson, I'd like all of your listeners to go and Google Ken Robinson, who was one of the first real educationalist, real passionate uh, speakers to, to this point that what is most important for children in their development is their ability to come up with an original idea and to trust their own ideas. I mean, we're talking now and we're seeing what people call 21st century skills. Mm -hmm. You're hearing a lot of schools mention this, a network of schools. They're talking about, oh, we're educating children for the 21st century. And there's actually a lot of studies around this. There's a lot of research around this, looking and to see 
how much how many of the jobs that are currently in the marketplace today will still exist when our current grade ones leave school? Mm-hmm. Do you know that the World Economic Forum has just come out with that number? Do you want to know how many of the current jobs and things in our industry that will no longer exist? 65%. Wow. That's what's a stat. currently in our world will be gone, right? Mm-hmm. So 65% of our little ones will have to come up with new solutions, new entrepreneurial ideas, new innovations, mm-hmm. or work in industries that will develop. Mm-hmm. Six. So now, how do we prepare our children? We can't say, well, you know, it's a, always going to be a good choice to go into X, Y, Z. I don't want to say anything there to offend anyone, but you know, there used to be like good old choices that people would make. I'll push my child really hard. I'll make sure they're really excellent at maths because then they could have a really great degree and a career in accounting. But I'm sorry to say, I'm really sorry to say that AI is probably going to replace a lot of that. I'm not going to say all of it. So now what do we invest in? And and if you really interrogate that question, you really start to think, you have to think very early on about what do you expose your child to from really early on to make sure they have a future when they're a young adult. Mm. Sorry, but all the research point to their ability to come up with an original idea mm. and their ability to back themselves. So that's confidence, imagination, and creativity. That's actually the most important thing. So I say with my little son, with my boy Jack, I say, he needs digital skills, tick. The robots will take care of the rest, but digital skills. And then he has to, like himself, be able to come up with an original idea, back himself, mm. communicate it confidently, because that's the only thing that the robots on in this AI revolution we're looking at, are not going to be able to take from us. And we've got to make sure we give that to our children. Yeah. So that's incredible. I mean, that development of confidence and of being able to create an original idea, those are going to be the two key elements. And, you know, you're speaking very much, you're aligning very closely with what we say in PlaySense, which is our playgroup program, where play skills result in creativity, collaboration, self-regulation, executive function. These are all the critical things that we know little ones are going to need in the future. And so it's really fascinating for for us to hear you say that as well. Now, of course, we have always said we use imaginary play in our playgroup programs in order to develop this. You have got a different, or maybe maybe it's the same, but just differently positioned kind of strategy or tool in your toolbox. And that is something that you in CAPS sent to me, AT, art, the arts. So do you want to share with us how the arts tie in with this creativity and confidence and and how we can use the arts to develop this in our children? You know, I just think that it's like this sort of this dot connection that maybe I made, but I don't think I'm the first or even the last to see the arts as this wonderful life raft in this sea of madness. If we agree. Can you, just to interrupt you, can you define what the arts are? I'm sure there are lots of parents who are thinking of the arts. I mean, is this like a paintbrush and, you know, Uh, what what are the arts? Okay, brilliant. So the arts, in my experience and what I do mostly, I like to talk about the innate arts. So we work with drama, dance, and singing. But Mm -hmm. the arts, of course, extend past that into instrumental music as well as visual arts. So we're talking about anything that sits in the space of movement, character play, drama, self-expression. I think you could extend that further. Some people would argue that it goes into cuisine. And of course, it goes everywhere. Art is everywhere. And into textiles and and design and restaurateurs, they're all artists. But it depends on the lens that you look at it. But obviously, classically, we're talking about visual arts and the expressive arts. And in my world, my toolkit I like to use is what I like to call the innate arts. And in other words, the arts 
that are in the body and in the self that doesn't need an instrument or a tool. But I'm going to get to that in a second. So how long is a piece of string, right? But whatever the arts are, however you understand the arts, they are definitely there as a life raft, I would say, in this world of like, okay, we have now established most research confirms that children learn best through play, right? We know this. Lego Foundation, white paper after white paper, the last 20 years, huge tick, especially the younger ones, but all children, Mm. experiential, embodied, project-based. That's all saying learn through play, right? So Mm. we know that. No experiential through the whole lived experience. That's the best way to learn. And the other one we know the research points to is embodied learning, that very few children only learn well from the neck up in the traditional sense, very academic, very cerebral. Most children want to have a visceral, physical Multisensory. Yes, multisensory, right? So if we want to understand play and embodied learning better, then where can we look? Where can we look? Where can we find something? Okay, so are we going to get that in the realm of engineering? Are we going to get that from, from the world of sciences? Ah, for me, a really great toolkit that ticks all of those boxes and has a multi, like endless library of things to use. It's the arts, you know? The arts, I mean, if you watch a play, it's called play. Mm. You know, we have tools like I went to drama school, I studied theater, improvisation, character play, the voice, the body. We play with all of that in order to create imaginary worlds. So I think that it's a filter, it's a toolkit, it's like a palette. With all the colors in the paint, it can dip into different colors. It's just useful. The mm. arts just provide this wonderful, I can call it a dictionary, I can call it an encyclopedia, I can call it a toolkit, with which to just grab the idea of mm. embodied learning mm. playful more effectively. Because if you think of that average teacher all across South Africa and the world, without necessarily the background, the resources, or the training in the arts, or, or in this, this uh, they're not necessarily an expert in um, playful learning or embodied learning, and it becomes hugely overwhelming. And we go, hang on a second, here, look, mm-hmm. let's take the arts. You've yeah. got it in you, you can move, you can sing, yeah. you can play, and it can help you be a tool. I love the way that you're positioning this, and I'd like to just put it into a little bit more practical words as well for mums. So Ooh. we have different types of play. And I mean, as an occupational therapist, I studied play at university. It was kind of core to the work that we do. OTs are are very focused on play. Now we get two types of play, well, two types of play that we like to talk about. And the one is free play, which is children just out there doing what they want to do and taking care of play themselves. And for little children, that can be more sensory exploration in a garden, for instance. For an older child, it might be imaginary play. And that's free play where nobody's directing them. It's undirected. It's unguided. It's like go in the direction you want to go in. Then there's the piece that we call guided play. And guided play is very interesting and very important because it's the way in which a parent actually can come or a teacher can come alongside a child and help to scaffold development and put them just outside of their comfort zone. We call it the proximal zone of development where you can just Mm. put your toe outside of where you've been playing up until now and take a little bit of a step and extend yourself. And that guided play is very important. It doesn't mean that all play needs to be guided play. There has to be time for complete free play. But a piece of play has to be guided play. Now, what I'm absolutely loving about what you're saying is that when we are doing guided play, we have a variety of tools in our toolbox as parents. So an example of guided play could be for a two-year-old imaginary play because two-year-olds don't have imagination yet. So if a mom goes and plays imaginary play with her two-year-old, 
She's effectively guiding them and actually, as you can imagine, scaffolding them up to their next level of development. But here I've got now a four-year-old and I want to know, oh, what am I going to play with my four-year-old? Because, you know, I'm tired of screen time. They know how to do imaginary play. I don't feel like setting up a sensory um, pond in the garden or whatever it is. Ah, there's another tool in my toolbox and that's the arts. And that's what I'm hearing you say, that this becomes another strategy that parents and teachers can use as they start to search and look for guided play for children. Exactly that, Megan. I love how you have explained it to me as well and understand Mm. it better. It's exactly what we do. I think we, in our program, we're doing guided play as much as possible. And then to also leave that with the parents Mm -hmm. or to leave suggestions, it is very overwhelming. We're all like working parents and you've got your your little ones. And I don't know about you, but my child is constantly, mama, I want to play. You need to be more fun. And then you kind of think, okay, well, what else can I do? Yeah, I'm tired. Like, what am I supposed to do? And actually, a lot of adults have forgotten how to play. I mean, let's be completely frank about this. We have forgotten as a generation how to play as adults. And so when our children need to be so-called entertained or played with, we are actually at a loss. This episode is brought to us by ParentSense, the all-in-one baby and parenting app that helps you make the most of your baby's first year. Don't you wish someone would just tell you everything you need to know about caring for your baby? When to feed them, how to wean them, and why they won't sleep? ParentSense app is like having a baby expert on your phone guiding you to parent with confidence. Get a flexible routine, daily tips, and advice personalized for you and your little one. Download ParentSense app now from your app store and take the guesswork out of parenting. We have forgotten as a generation how to play as adults. And so when our children need to be so-called entertained or played with, we are actually at a loss. And I think that, you know, with our work, when I say the innate arts, drama, dance and singing, take a deep breath and think about that. I'm not asking you to even have an instrument. I'm Mm. not even asking you to mix Mm. some paint because sometimes Mm. that feels like a stretch when I'm, but I could actually just move. We could actually just move. Shall we pretend to be bunnies? How does a bunny hop? What do you want to be now? We just need myself and the space. And sometimes we can do that by switching on a bit of music or just pretending, carry to play or singing our favorite song together. Movement, yeah, music and character play. Yeah. For me, those are very useful tools for a parent or a teacher. Yeah. So now I'm a mom sitting at home and I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, right, this is a great strategy, but I don't know where on earth to start. So tell me a little bit about the business that you started. Is it called Buzz Kids? Buzz Kids, yeah. Yeah. So how would Buzz Kids come alongside a mother or a teacher to help her to understand how to engage with her little one? Well, first of all, we have sessions all around the country in many different schools. So hopefully you can bang on your principal or teacher school and get us in there because we run extramurals or in-school in programs. So we really partner with schools. So we're not a competitor to schools. We're just there as a value add. And obviously that's a lovely way, but we're not the only ones. There are many other organizations like buzz. So the idea is to to make sure when you look at what your child is, what's in their schedule, and even the little ones, you know, they've got the extra murals and all the programs, wherever you're taking them to their swimming. Is it just swimming that we're doing? And maybe we believe in pottery or is there something else that we're bringing to their lives that can just help you and them think a little bit more outside the box? Something, Something that's exposing them quite widely. That's also what I like about our program is it's for young children. We don't know yet if they're going to be an expert necessarily in that they're going to be the expert dancer or the actress, but we're starting with a drama, dance and singing, three-in-one program. So there's quite wide exposure. 
to various art forms. And then we can see as they get older where they might find an expert level or a niche that they love. But how we can help you is our website is there. We've got blogs. We actually have a podcast for children. So this one is now for moms and dads to listen to. But our podcast is to pop into the car when it's all just getting a little bit rashy. What is it called? That's wonderful. Kids with a Z podcast. Is it B-U-Z-Z? B-U-Z-Z, K-I-D-Z. And we've got theme after theme. So it's basically, I don't know if you remember, Stuariman was when I was little. It's an audio story. It's a radio drama for children. Love it. Our little characters around the imaginary world and the ends on some of our material that the child can then learn and sing along to. So we've got that to help you with. We've got our music, again, Buzz Kids on any platform like Spotify, Apple Music. You can search Buzz Kids with a Z and listen to our music. I honestly have made album after album of music and podcasts and stories because parents come to me and they go, we need more. We've listened to this album today. I need more. Yeah. So I just think it's very important in this world of screen time that you have other creative content that's potentially not coming through the visual stimulus, but just audio. Mm. I really believe in podcasts, but for children as well. So we've got programs. We've got tools for teachers. So a curriculum that schools can plug into and use our curriculum because it's fully developed. And it's actually been accredited now by the Education Alliance of Finland. So we know it's a really good program that schools can either plug into as an in-school program or after the academic day as an extramural or just any of our creative content that's out there in the world. We're actually also developing a television show so that we can have a buzz workshop right in your living room. Wow. So that's what we're trying to do is just to get this content and especially those learning outcomes, like to help the parent connect this silly little exercise that looks like we're just being silly, but I'm trying to help you understand how that's doing some midline crossing or how that's helping with special. So give me an example. If, if I've got a two-year-old, you, first of all, what age does your program start at? Birth. We okay. work from babies to 13. Okay. And inside that bracket, we actually chop that into four developmental areas. Okay. So just give me a super practical. I've got a two-year-old. I want to be able to do something with them. What would your program teach me to do? Give me an example. So if we were doing a buzz workshop with a two-year-old, we would start with beautiful song. It's a parent and child interactive. So definitely need an adult with a little one like Mm -hmm. that. We would start with a focus exercise that helps them move an imaginary frog from the floor to their knees, to their shoulders, to the sky. And we can show you online how to do very simple games like this. This is going to help with coordination. We're also imagining. We're also vocalizing the little frog. And, and that's a game that we would have to teach you. But what can I just even share with you like this? The next thing we would do is a bit of a physical warm-up, get our bodies moving through the space. So we'd, we'd use some of our original music or some pop music. We'd make sure that we cross the middle line as much as possible. So we're moving in opposite direction with the left hand potentially crossing the midline of the body into the right hemisphere, et cetera. And we're just getting those bodies warmed up, touching off, just getting through the planes from the upper field down to the lower field getting those bodies warmed up, getting children used to to using the entire space. So that's something that you can teach your child right at home is to fill a space for the kids to spread out nicely. Then we would potentially go into what we call a buzz-to-buzz exercise. So that is tummies-to-tummies. So if we've got more than one child there, then they're, they're putting their little tummies together. So there's cognition there of the body parts, but we're also now working together as a team. We're working on listening skills. We're working on our spatial awareness, our coordination again, our core strength, bum-to-bum, nose-to-nose. 
And so until they need to find a new partner, then we might go into a quieter part of our workshop where we're now working on some vocal strength. It's very important to, to get those voices warmed up. So we put our little kitties on a roller coaster and we're going, Meow, as we just physically just show the child how the little kitty is going up and down and that's warming the voice up. Or we're doing vocal tennis where I throw a sound at you or I bounce the sound at you and you bounce it back. So I might make any sound like rabbit and you have to back at me or I go wink, wink, and you've got to bring that sound back at me. So there's mimicking, it's happening there. And then we'll go into actually teaching one of our original songs, which has lots of educational value because it depends on the theme. So we're learning about the under the sea world that we're in. So our program is very set up like this. It then goes into the imaginary play, which is phenomenal. That there we're really asking the children to take on character and to follow us along through an imaginary world. So it sounds like when I just speak about this off the cuff, it's like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? The, the internet is full of resources. Our website has some resources. The program is built to be in a school facilitator-led type of program. But I'm very passionate about continuing to share with parents the principle of playing and using what we have inside us innately as a start. I'm not saying what we do or what I'm saying is the beginning, middle, mm -hmm. end of it. But mm -hmm. as a start, think about the arts being your toolkit mm -hmm. to develop what is most important or what I think is the super skill yeah. is the ability to come up with an original idea as well as that confidence. Mm -hmm. If a child has an original idea and they can back themselves, then they might become, who knows, a far more confident heart surgeon one day, or they might innovate the next robot or spaceship we need, back our own ideas. Yeah. We need to be able to trust those ideas. I, I think I mentioned this to you when we met about a study that was done in 19 with George Land, who was called on by NASA, as in the astronauts, to find, they had to find a test to identify creative geniuses. And they built the test and it was successful and it was wonderful. And then they thought, well, this is a very useful thing. What other subsection of community and of, of humanity can we test this on? So they tested it on children. Okay. And of 1,645 year olds, this is 1968, 1,645 year olds, how many of you, them do you think scored creative genius levels? I don't know. Tell me. Yes. Yes, Meg. I don't know. Maybe 400? 98% of children justifiably creatively genius. They then did a longitudinal study on those same humans. By, by end of primary school, only 30% of those children scored creatively genius. Wow. By high school, it was down to 12. And by adulthood, the same children, mm -hmm. only 2% of them. And my point here is, Buzz, what we do doesn't make a child creatively genius. Neither does any curriculum in any school. They have it in there. It comes mm -hmm. with the fact. But we must absolutely, as parents and teachers, own it. Mm -hmm. And protect it. Absolutely. Well, it's been super, super interesting. I'm um, definitely, you and I both sing from the same hymn sheet. Excuse the pun when we're talking about the art. Um, but we are very much aligned on this. And I think when I look at the world as it is right now, there are a number of risk factors for this generation of children. There is a risk factor of AI taking over jobs in the future, which you have alluded to, but there are bigger risks as they're growing up. Things like their confidence being squashed, technology taking away their creativity if they're watching too much tech, scheduling of children, overdiagnosis of conditions that actually are not conditions, they're just part and parcel of development. 
So these are the things that I think do pose to pose a massive risk for this generation. What I'm really delighted about is that programs like BuzzKids and PlaySense exist to be able to really encourage little ones to explore their creativity and develop and to come alongside parents to help them to know what to do. So I'm really delighted to have been able to chat with you, Hanika. And I'd like to, before we just finish off, won't you tell moms how they can get hold of you or where they can find your program? Oh, please. We are BuzzKids. So B-U-Z-Z-K-I-D-Z, always kids with a Z, dot org on the internet. So buzzkids.org. And we're buzzkids on Instagram. And yeah, anywhere on your Spotify's, your, wherever you listen to your podcast, we have a podcast, we have original music. So, you know, find some really cool, proudly South African, mm. modern music just to jam to. And you'll hear some educational, really good messaging also coming through on our music as buzz kids that's where you got to find us linkedin everywhere we also have a foundation that looks after underserved communities and does the same good work there and we always need we just need people to know of us and then give us any kind of support as any other growing organization so please do support us excellent oh that's wonderful hanika well thank you so much for a very enlightening conversation moms do go and look up buzz kids and yeah, all the best, Hannah I'm very excited yeah. to watch your journey. Thank, Thank you. you so much. I appreciate all right. it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.